Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Hi, everyone. Jack Humphrey here, standing in for our uh, beloved Gina, who is out sick today. And uh, you are on Leverage Masters. I'm the co-founder of The Leveragist and uh, co-author with Gina of The Leverage Black Book and co-founder of Divisio.com, Connecting People to Power Business. And today, we also don't have a guest. So what we're going to do is have a little bit of fun and go back to one of our favorite episodes with Barry Nicholson, where he discusses the levels of awareness. This is part one of uh, a great interview of levels of awareness with your customers and how to target the right people so that you're actually hitting the people that are going to buy your products and services instead of wasting time and money and effort on uh, the wrong people, the wrong customers, the wrong groups. So enjoy this episode, and we'll be back with you next week with another episode of Leverage Masters. Here's Barry Nicholson, Levels of Awareness, Part 1. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Breakthrough Directions. Each week, Breakthrough Directions explores the two faces of your business, outward through marketing and client delivery, and inward your vision, profit model, systems, team, and you, so you can grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome, everyone, to another episode of Breakthrough Directions here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsU.com. I'm calling to you live this week from Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We have got another great guest lined up for you guys today. We have my friend and co-host, Linda Feinholtz the founder of the Breakthrough Academy at BreakthroughByDesign.com. Linda's calling in live this week from Los Angeles, California. Hello, Linda. Hello, Gina. Fabulous to be here for another amazing show. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. We've had so many great guests the last few weeks. I really can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to yet another. (laughs) Me too. You know, I I was thinking a lot about um, the conversations we've been having guests over the past few weeks, and we keep coming back to this issue of how to make the best connection we can, whether it's with our team, it's with our partners, it's with our customers and clients. And I was absolutely delighted to be able to invite today's guest to join us. You know, um, there was an article that I just saw this week that was reiterating yet again that people make decisions based on emotion. All the brain science studies have shown that every one of us, no matter how intellectual we think we are, no matter how analytical we think we are, we actually make decisions emotionally and then rationalize them. And that's why it's so opportune for us to have our guest today. Imagine having the almost godlike ability 
to send the exact marketing message your prospect is dying to hear at the very time they want to hear it, making it virtually impossible to resist. Imagine that, Gina. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, would that be really awesome. Yeah, so our guest today says absolutely you can develop this ability, but only if you learn to ask the one key question about your prospect that 99% of marketers fail to ask. Our guest today is Barry Nicholson. He's known as the copywriter to the gurus because he has helped people who have mega multi-million dollar businesses in many different industries solve this very issue in how they connect with their markets. So, Barry, welcome aboard. Hi, hey guys. Great to be here. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh, that was a, a rousing introduction. Thank you very much. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, you know, we're, we're often talking to our audience about the fact that our guests are here to um, expose jealously guard secrets by our top marketers, our top experts who consult to businesses and so on. And when you and I were talking, I knew that you were exactly who we want to bring to our guest today. And before we start diving into the nitty-gritty, because I know everybody wants to know, okay, what's the secret, what's the secret, is let's back up a little bit. I would love to know how it came to be that you're now spending your life in this world called copywriting. Well, that's actually kind of, it's kind of a funny story. I, I, um, I live here in Sarasota, Florida, uh, not too far from you, Gina. Enjoying the weather, <laughs> oh, very much so. And um, wh- but I started in copywriting back in Indiana, um, with married to my uh, wonderful wife of 21 years. And actually, I was in the marketing business. I was doing um, postcard campaigns for the restaurant industry. Um, had kind of gotten exposed to this this sort of direct response uh, world that a lot of businesses, thankfully, are starting to discover or have been discovering over the last five to ten years, sort of your average bricks-and-mortar businesses. And um, I had discovered that myself. I was doing these types of campaigns for the restaurant industry. And um, so I had become familiar with what um, Dan Kennedy, a lot of the principles that he that he teaches, I'm sure uh, hopefully a lot of the listeners here are, are familiar with his, uh, his materials. And uh, was a big part of their newsletter and all that. And um, so I was getting their newsletters every month, reading them voraciously, trying to apply the principles that um, that I'd read. And uh, so my wife, who at the time was a personal trainer and fitness instructor, um, you know, she'd been in sort of a gym sort of environment like that, and and had wanted to kind of branch off into corporate marketing, that type of thing, kind of branch off in her own business as a personal trainer. So. So she was kind of reading these materials. It's like she, it's like she would wait till I wasn't looking or something because she didn't want to show too much interest, kind of, because <laughs> she thought I was obsessed by it and she didn't want to. She wanted to feign interest, if you will. But um, so she started kind of trying her hand at this, and I kind of looked at what she was doing, and and um, so. But around that same time, Bill Glazer, uh, Dan Kennedy's business partner in the Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, uh, and for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle. Um, you know, it's one of the largest small, small and medium-sized business sort of um, marketing consultancies um, that's out there. Have a huge mailing list. It's, it's, it's a big deal in the direct response world. And so, uh, Bill Laser at the time had put out an advertisement uh, that he was looking for a copywriting apprentice. It was a paid gig, you know. The, he, um, you know, and he didn't necessarily want somebody to move there to, to the Baltimore area. He was willing to work with someone rem- remotely. Well, I had seen the work that my wife 
had done for her own business and for somebody who was completely, you know, didn't know anything about copywriting or really in marketing in general other than just reading the newsletters, she was pretty good out of the gate. And so I said, you know, honey, you don't have anything to lose. You should absolutely apply for this position. I think you've got what it takes. And who knows, uh, you know, you can't win if you don't try kind of thing. And at first she just thought I was crazy. And, and I said, look, this is a really big deal. What do you have to lose? Well, so – um, so I knew one thing that if she and she was going to decide to do this, she she was going to have to get Bill's attention because that's you know we'll talk a lot about getting attention here a little bit later. But um, for those of you who might know, Bill Glazer is the author of a book called um, Outrageous Advertising uh, that's outrageously successful. So I and he is really big on doing things that are completely outrageous, especially through direct mail. And um, so I knew at least that about him that you were going to get his attention. You would have to have to do something ridiculous to get his attention. So we put our heads together, and she wrote, the job was to do a one-page cover letter, and, um, and then however else you wanted to send it. So we knocked around a few ideas, and this, of course, you know, waiting until the last minute. It was just like the last day before you could do something. So we ended up FedExing a box of, you ever go to that uh, store in the mall? I think it's called Spencer's Gifts. Uh, you know, they have some pretty kind of colorful things, if you will. And uh, they sell those bride-to-be, like our brides-in-a-box, as they called it. You know, <laughs> okay, let's, let's, all right, let's be honest. It was a blow-up doll. But it wasn't a blow-up doll, like, really graphic. It was sort of a, you know, rated PG blow-up doll. And we, we put that in there, of course, glued it up and, and, put, and taped the sales letter, essentially, to the, to the doll's chest, put a... Uh, a package of x lax in the doll's hand, and, and uh, the letter said something to the effect of, in one smooth move, you can have all of your copywriting projects done or something to that. I don't remember the headline. <laughs> um, so this package, and there's like holes in the box, and on the outside of the box it says, caution, hot chick inside. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, of course, you know, now, now Bill, apparently when he got it, you know, it opens with a box cutter just like anything else. Well, apparently he, you know, that was the death of the doll. So he didn't get the full effect uh, because the blow-up doll was no longer blown up at that point. Um, he, she had a gash in her abdomen, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, I am proud to say that uh, my, my wonderful wife, Darlene, had, uh, she got the gig. And um, out of about 90 or so people who applied some very experienced copywriters from literally from all over the world applied for the position. And, yes, it was the outrageous package that certainly got Bill's attention, but it was her uh, her abilities, obviously. And um, I scored quite a bit. Uh, Darlene ended up working with Bill for about a year and uh, wrote uh, many of the promotions around. This, I think this was about eight years ago, if my memory serves, and uh, she wrote a lot of promotions for Glazer Kennedy, um, the first you know, some of the info marketing stuff. Uh, she actually wrote some some letters in Dan Kennedy's voice. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that on air, but I just did too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it was obviously it was a, it was a tremendous experience. And so uh, word got out pretty quickly that uh, Bill had his apprentice, and um, so we started getting a lot of work coming in for Darlene. And so, you know, I do have to swallow my pride a little bit here on the air and say that I actually got my copywriting start as my wife's ghostwriter. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's too uh, funny. 
<laughs> so she, uh, fortunately, she got so much work. I mean, Bill only kept her so busy, and she was able to take on some other projects. So a lot of sort of what we call the um, the mini Dan's. You know, Dan Kennedy sort of the, the grand small business uh, marketing expert, and he has a lot of guys um, who niche his techniques under his, you know, good graces uh, in the restaurant business, the insurance business, and so on. A lot of those sort of minor gurus, if you will, started uh, ringing our phone. And so we, we got so busy that Darling couldn't handle the volume. And so I actually took up a lot of the work and ended up selling out of the um, uh company that I had and just started writing copy full time. And um, so we've been um, doing it, I, I would say, full time ever since. We've had some other businesses that we've, that we've started since then, but uh, I'm still writing copy every day, um, pretty much without fail. You want to know a really small world. I started out in Indiana, and I'm now in southwest Florida as well. Where in Indiana did you start? Evansville. Oh, my goodness. I was up in the Crown Point area, but no Evansville well. (laughs) Yeah, we um, actually, you know, another beautiful thing about working from home um, is that, you know, actually, uh, Darlene had a, had a sickness that she was dealing with. In fact, we'll, we may talk about that a little bit later when we talk about uh, pain issues, but she had a, a sickness that she was dealing with that only seemed to come about um, during the cold uh, around every time Thanksgiving. You know, of course, anybody who lives in the Midwest listening, you know that it's pretty much gray outside and below 30 degrees for about five months on end. And yep. you know, we were working from home, you know, and we're from there. I mean, we have a huge family there. And, and uh, But, you know, for five years, this, this illness went on every winter. So we just decided to, you know, fortunately, we were able to, since we do work from home, we were able to move to Florida. And um, we got rid of cold, and thankfully we got rid of her sickness, looks like. She wow, was that's cold. great. Yeah. And where are you Absolutely. now in Florida? Sarasota. Oh, yeah, right up the street. Wow. Yep, absolutely. We love it here. But, you know, don't I don't want that to encourage more visitors because we've had about a 15% increase in visitors. I think the economy is definitely improving because the snowbirds It was are ridiculous this year. In force. They are. <laughs> it was but so nice yesterday for April 1st and all the people left. Yay! <laughs> okay, you two, come on. <laughs> no line at dinner last night. It was awesome. Yeah, that's it. You could get your table. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Barry. You know, it's so funny. I deal with so many experts in so many arenas, and your arena is about language, and we're all surrounded by language. So because you and Darlene are this dynamic duo of copywriting, day in and day out, when you leave your house, you are surrounded by copy. Do you find yourself constantly evaluating other people's copy, or can you separate yourself and just enjoy life when you're not copywriting? (laughs) Well, yeah, that would be a little much, because I do spend probably way too much time online. And um, I do, I I find myself analyzing probably more the, uh, you know, being the armchair, armchair quarterback, literally, when I watch te- television, I'm still amazed that there are ad agencies out there that can sell these ridiculous concepts to these these companies that obviously have bottomless pockets because they'll, they'll release these clever commercials and you'll laugh, you know, or what have you, maybe, you know, and then you'll go, I have 
no recollection whatsoever or even what the product is or was, what it did, what it does for me, anything. But it was funny. <laughs> you know, so I, I, th- I think I probably find myself doing that. Um, and, and case, but, as, but as far as more as the, uh, the real copywriting world, as I like to say, you know, the direct response world, I, I may, you know, when I get um, emails, I try not to get you know, too many um, email lists like I used to be, but, you know, mm-hmm. when I get sub- subject lines in that I think, frankly, really stink by people that probably should know better, I always think it's a little ponderous. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, maybe they're just in a rush and having a bad day or they didn't split test, which there's, there's a lot less split testing going on in the market than you would you would think. Uh, but I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It does. You know, um, part of what you and I spoke about that we were going to bring to the conversation today is the five levels of awareness. And I would love to use that as how we anchor our conversation today, especially since, you know, we were just talking about your level of awareness when you're out in the world and you've got language coming at you and copy and so on. And, so I spend so much time with my clients, and I know Gina does the same thing, which is helping tune our awareness to what's actually important to spend our time on. And so I'd love to bring it to this whole arena of emotion and language and so on. Uh, absolutely. I, I love this topic. It's probably it's been one of the most groundbreaking things. that, uh, And it's, I'll go ahead and not warn the readers that's pro- or, or listeners. That's probably a, a bad word. Just, just say this is a. It's a fairly advanced topic, but it is. Ex- it's extremely important. It's one of the most groundbreaking things that I've read or, or become, you know, aware of in the, in the last six months. And it's not anything new. Um, it's something that actually Gene Schwartz, in a famous book called Breakthrough Advertising, uh, talked about. But, but if I can back up and just kind of give you the big picture. Um, one of the things, you know, a lot of people, when they, when they study copywriting, you know, they'll learn the fundamentals, and, it, and it's extremely important to know the fundamentals. Um, you know, the fundamentals being, you know, they'll, they'll know, well, I've got to have a, a great headline, uh, maybe a great sub-headline, a lead that, you know, brings people into the story, um, you know, and, and, and all these, I have to have a strong offer and, and a guarantee and all those kinds of things. And, and, and those are all great. And, and, in fact, if you know that and you apply that in your own copywriting or at least you oversee other people writing copy for you, you're probably ahead of about 90, 90% of who the people are out there. But this next topic really helps uh, answer a huge question mark that um, most, most marketers aren't even aren't even sure they need to ask this question, but I think as we, develop, as we talk about this, it'll, 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 it'll come full circle. And the most important question that you need to ask is, what does your customer already know about what it is that you're selling, about their problem, um, about you, about you know, just, just where are they in their awareness cycle? Because a lot of times what I, I see a huge mistake being made is that um, marketers sort of try to use this one-size-fits-all or one-size-fits-all message for the market, and and they're trying to, to try to – it could even be a great offer, very well-written copy, but if it's sent to a, a market that is not in the right place in their mindset or not at the right place in the awareness cycle, it is going to fall on completely deaf ears. So – um, again, and this is not a – I don't want to take credit for these concepts at all. In fact, I want to give huge kudos, and if you're interested in this, I'll go ahead and give you a resource. Um, there's a book called Great Leads, 
by a guy named Michael Masterson. It's actually co-written by Michael Masterson and John Ford. And it at the I think you can get it on Kindle right now for all of like, I don't know, seven dollars, which to me is is just complete insanity. I mean I, I bought the hard copy and it cost me like thirty bucks and it, it is absolutely one of the best books on copywriting ever written. And so the concepts that I'm going to share with you today are really just bullet points of what are in that book, but I think they're so strong that I, you know, and I didn't write the book. I'm not going to take credit for it. I just want to bring attention to it because it's, it's really changed my approach to copy. So uh, I just want to, so again, the key is what does your customer already know? So I'm going to, t- I'm going to talk about at first, what are they most aware of? So if, if, if a customer is in that most aware stage, of your product or your service, the prob- I always think about, you know, the easiest one it would be like an Apple iPhone or an iPad. Anytime Apple puts out anything, pretty much the Apple crowd, frankly, they know about it ahead of time. They're, in other words, they are most aware of, of, where, of where they are with the product and with the company and their desire for it and their need for it. And they, at that point, they really just want to know what the deal is. In fact, I, I can bring that back full circle to myself. So, like, um, when the uh, my my, my um, cell phone contract expired around Christmas, so there was no question what what Barry wanted for Christmas, <laughs> and that was the new i5, the you know the, the new iPhone. So at that point, I I was very aware of what I wanted, of the product that I wanted, of you know everything about it. So it really it all just boiled down to the deal. Now you guys remember around Christmas, if you weren't in the market for an iPhone, maybe you don't remember. But their Best Buy and Walmart were in a battle for the iPhone business. And at that point, I think Best Buy had a $50 off deal, and uh, Walmart turned out they had a $60 off deal. Well, guess where I went? Because at that stage, I just was I, – I, it was all about the deal. I knew that I wanted an iPhone. So, in other words, I was, I was most aware at that point, uh, you know, my level of awareness. Now – uh, there's a next stage of awareness where, the, where a person is aware of, of there are products out there. They, they may know that you sell something, and they know that other people sell something that's similar, the same, or, or could, do, could, could, could do something for them, but they're not sure exactly which, which one's right for them. So would we say so, that at that moment folks are in the research mode? That's exactly right. In fact, um, I <laughs> You, you took my example right out of my mouth. Here's, here's another thing. Like, I was in the market about six months ago for a new laptop computer. Now, I use a Mac uh, desktop, a really nice one, but I just, I frankly just didn't want to spend the money on a, on a, on a Mac laptop. Uh, well, here, Gina, I'll give you a Florida thing to relate to. I really want to be able to write copy on my porch. So, <laughs> so like, is that worth spending sixteen hundred bucks or whatever it costs on a, on a Mac laptop? Probably hard to, to justify that to my wife. So, I got back. I went back to the PC. So at that point, I knew that I wanted a PC, and one big thing that I wanted was I didn't want a laptop that was going to get hot in my lap. I find that, I think that's so annoying. I don't understand why laptops though they have the fan on the bottom. So that was my criteria. I knew that, I, you know, so I wasn't brand, I, it didn't matter to me what brand I was going to use. So I went out, you know, I started shopping on Amazon. I started, you know, reading reviews. But, but again, my criteria was it just had to, you know, have a certain kind of screen maybe. And I didn't, I wanted the fan on the side so it wouldn't make my, and sure enough, I ended up finding the one that I liked. 
fit my budget, and I bought it. So I wasn't partial to any brand at that point, but I was just what they call product aware. Okay, the next level of awareness would be when somebody is solution aware. In other words, they have a problem, they know they want a solution to that problem, and they know that there's, there is a solution out there, but they're not biased towards a particular solution. They only have their outcome in mind. And, and they also have, here's the key element, they have hope, as opposed to another one that we're going to talk about here in a second. So at this point, the best example I can give to this is weight loss. So, you know, obviously people know that there's all sorts of things that they could do out there to lose weight. I mean, it's just, in fact, it's such a, it's such a huge category of, of, of a market. It, you know, it's, it's tough for people to make decisions. You know, they can decide, do I want to do the whole, you know, the extreme boot camp fitness route? Or am I, you know, more of a wimp and do I just want to, you know, do I want to do a Nutrisystem thing where I don't even want to cook the food? I just want people, or I think it's that they ship food to your door and you just put it in your microwave, you know. I mean, I'm sure the next level of that is probably having your own private chef that comes in and spoon feeds you, you know, healthy meals. I, I don't know. but um, so in I'll other take words, that one if it's offered. <laughs> I'm you know, I am without question where there's where there's money out there and there's chefs out there, Linda, they're there. They're out there. Just, especially you live in the L.A. area. I'm uh-huh. sure you could probably find one that's... that's I even that's live vegan. right near Hollywood, so I'm sure there's plenty around. <laughs> right. You could probably hire some person that was a you know previous chef for God knows who. But, um, you know, it would be <laughs> vegan and gluten-free as well. Um, but... Um, so, in other words, so they're solution aware. So, at this point, then they need a little education as to why your particular your particular methodology is going to be the thing for them, as opposed to the god you know hundred or more other options they have out there. Now, that brings us to the next level. Now, the the next level is they are aware of their problem, but they don't know that there is a solution. And that person is in, a, is in a state where they don't have any hope. All they have is worry. So if something's not working for them, they don't, they don't, they don't know that there's a way to fix it. And, they, and, and so with those types of, of um, prospects, and oh, yeah, I don't think, I know if I mentioned this um, at the beginning, but each, at each level, as I keep going down, and there's, there's six levels, the, the, uh, the, the further we go, the tougher it gets. But... It doesn't mean once we get to the end, which is the toughest nut to crack, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because actually the the further out we get, the broader the base is of prospects. But the message has to be different for each level of awareness. So anyway, so back to the problem and where. So since they have a problem and they don't even know that there is a solution, they they feel like, frankly, that they're they're stuck with it um, and, you know, that they just have to live with it. Now, a perfect example would be someone who was told by a doctor that, you know, they have a certain condition. You know, you just have, you're just going to have to live with it. You know, here's something to manage the pain. Um, and, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit later. We'll talk about direct, like, examples of, of the type of copy you would use in each situation. But um, some of the best direct response copy ever written for this kind of thing, you'll see it, is usually in the health niche 
like what I mentioned, like somebody who has our, you know, a, a, a mailing list that goes out to a list of arthritis sufferers or, um, you know, people that you know that are dealing with some sort of pain or diabetes and that type of thing. And usually the, the thing that ropes those kinds of folks in is when you, you have to let them know that you feel their pain, you know their fear, their anger, their desperation, and the angers that, that maybe that it causes. And some of the best um, uh, direct mail that you see sent in that, that particular niche always starts with a story that those people can relate to. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can give countless examples, and I'll, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit later. Um, I, you might want to write this down because I don't think I wrote it down. But I, I do want to talk about the Who's Mailing What archive. Cool. Um, because that is without question in my mind as a copywriter and just a business person in general is the most stellar uh, resource ever been made for copywriting. Wonderful. Um, what is it called? It's called the Who's Mailing What Archive. Okay, well, oh, wow. I'm, I'm on it. I might as well talk about it. Uh, <laughs> who's mailing, the Who's Mailing What Archive. It's, it confounds my mind that somebody would even do this, uh, but there's a guy that started his name's Denny Hatch, and he's a, he's a giant in the direct response marketing industry. Somewhere along the line, he got the unbelievable idea that he was just going to get himself, and I guess I'm really not sure how they do this, but they have all these locations around the country that sign up for all these lists, and they just start gathering direct mail. So, you know, Brilliant. people call it junk junk mail. You know, I think that's, you know, <laughs> don't call it junk mail. It, it's <laughs> um, but so they join all these lists, all these financial lists. You know, they, they want to be on every list humanly possible, and they have been collecting direct mail campaigns for I think it's 20 plus years. Wow! And they and they've warehoused this stuff. Now, what that gives me now, when I say that this is, makes this the most ingenious resource as a copywriter, because here's the big struggle that I've always had. You know, and, and if you've ever heard of the term swipe file, yep. Uh, a swipe file, for those who aren't aware, is that's basically, you know, that goes back to copywriting 101, which is never start with a blank page. In other words, the worst thing you could do, even me as an experienced copywriter, is to sit down to write copy and not have something to look at, um, to, get, to spring to mind ideas, to say, okay, you know, in other words, don't start with a blank page. Don't just think you're such a brilliant copywriter. I'm just going to come up with a headline just right off the cuff and then just write this letter without anything to look at for ideas. So, but the challenge with the headline swipe files, or not even headline swipe files, just swipe files in general, is, is knowing that if the promotion that you're referencing or the advertisement that you're referencing actually worked. And that's a big problem that I always have as a copywriter, especially when, like, when you buy some of these copywriting courses, even from some of these copywriting gurus out there. I mean, geniuses. You know, now, unless they're going to put out a copywriting course and say, oh, yeah, by the way, every single piece of copy that I put in here as an example was a clear winner. You don't know that. So you could be emulating in your copy a promotion that failed. So, you know, I thought that but with the who's mailing what archive, they have they have set aside what they call the grand controls. Now in in, in, in the direct response copy world, a grand control is a direct mail piece that is mailed largely unchanged for a period of over three years. So um 
actually I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later here in, in one of these examples, but there is a letter by the Wall Street Journal. You guys may be aware, familiar with it. Yeah, it's a classic. It's, 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 it's called It's the Grand Control of All Time. It is a mailing that has been mailed unchanged for 42 years. It's, it's a control that has never been beaten. Well, you know, so if you can imagine, obviously that is a piece of copy that you would like to emulate, maybe. Well, in other words, so the, so the, um, the Who's Mailing What Archive is a, a – so they've been collecting this, so they haven't been going to publishers and say, hey, give us your best direct mail pieces. They've just been collecting them and watching to see what they mail. And this is so, so key for the folks who are listening because what it means is that these companies that have spent large amounts of money on marketing found a message that's such a perfect match for their ideal customer – that it's working year after year after year. It's not going stale, and so they're continuously using it because they have a bottomless font of money that they could spend to keep tweaking and adjusting and coming up with, quote, new creative stuff. But that message is such a match for exactly who they're trying to attract that they use it again and again year after year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. That when you go into the Who's Mailing Water Archive, they have – Thousands and thousands of mail pieces in their archive. You can you can download them via PDF, and um, they have now. I think the grain controls are the biggest copywriting treasure trove of all time. I mean, to me, if you want, if these are the pieces that have been mailed unchanged for three years plus, in in just about every business niche that you can, or you know, uh, business to consumer, business to business. There's insurance stuff in there. There's nutritional supplements. It's about every imaginable niche you can think of, but, you know, I am still, I, I mean, I still write a lot of direct mail campaigns. Obviously, I'm sure most of the people on this call are probably big on online stuff, uh, and, but I'm telling you, the best copy ever written on the face of the planet is in these direct mail pieces uh, in the Who's Mailing What Archive of the Grand Controls. So, I don't want to beat that dead horse, but uh, anyway. Thank so, you for that. <laughs> Back to the, uh, uh, the the five levels of awareness. I'm sure, not sure where I left off. Um, um, okay. We were just talking about needing to be able to share your story about how you really empathize and feel the pain as the folks who are problem aware. Okay, thank you. The and and that, there's there's a good example because the grand controls, um, especially on the nutritional supplement side, that I see almost inevitably start with those stories. Um, you know, and they're they're talking to a problem aware person. I mean, it, you know, any it's pretty simple to to get to buy a direct mail list for diabetes sufferers or arthritis sufferers, and then you know, mailing that out there. They know that that particular type of lead works. Okay, so and then the uh, the last would be people who are completely unaware. Now, something key that I need to bring up here: people who are problem aware. They just know that they have a problem, or people who don't even realize they have a problem. You might think as a marketer, you're like, man, that is too broad of a market. I mean, how can I, you know, and, and I would agree. I mean, if you're just a startup company, you need to probably, you know, go more towards the, the, to the beginning. But in order to grow any company, you're, eventually you're going to, you have to reach out into the, to these levels of awareness. And, um, you know, because that, they're absolutely necessary for growth. So people who are completely unaware that they even have uh, 
that there is even a problem. They don't know you or your product, or so they don't care. Um, they don't know they even have a problem that's worth solving. But you might think, well, well, who are they? Well, this, interestingly enough, is you know that that grand control that I told you about from the Wall Street Journal. That's who these people appeal to because that is you know, it, and, it, and if you're not familiar with it, it's the, it's a maybe a theme of where it starts off with you know on a, on a warm spring day. I think it's something to the effect of in a warm spring day, two men graduated from the same college. Um, you know, they both went on to work for the same company. In, in other words, it starts with an engaging story that appeal you know because stories are universal, and this particular one is about um, just success in general. And pretty much the human the human existence, which is what makes some people some people who work hard because the story goes on to tell about how you know one they both went on to work for the same company. However, one was basically stuck in middle management. One ended up as the CEO, even though they had the same education level. You know, after 20 years, what made the difference? And of course, it goes on to talk about the you know the Wall Street Journal was the difference in it. But you know. What does that address in the very beginning? It addresses in the very beginning the key question that pretty much every person asks is at the core of things, what makes that guy more successful than me or that, that woman more successful than me? He doesn't have anything that I don't have. What makes them so smart or them so, you know, they, were they born with a silver spoon in their mouth? What, what is it that makes them so much more successful? So it gets at that key emotion and but it addresses it in a story. Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal figured out that you know, that is a key question that pretty much everybody. You know, obviously, I'm sure they have. You know, it doesn't talk about their list that they mail to. I'm sure they have certain list criteria that they that they mail to, and you know, instead of just blasting it out to everyone. But you know, so those are the levels of awareness. Um, has, has anything I said tripped you up or didn't make sense at this point? Let's just restate them all over again, starting with number one. Okay, number one is they are most aware. Number two is they are product aware. Number three, they're solution aware. Number four, problem aware. Hold on. Yeah, problem aware. Number five is completely unaware. As you were talking, I was thinking about how I react to commercials on television and so on. And that last one of people being unaware, I was thinking from the example of the Wall Street Journal, it's talking about that human envy that we all feel and thinking about how it works with girls in fashion magazines and you know all these other settings where they're de- depicting the message, you know, of why them and why not me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember a few years ago I had a client who um, I, I was doing a piece for him, and, and he was more of a financial sector, and, and I remember he said something to the effect of, oh, that, that piece that came out in the journal this morning, I, I'd really like to put that out, you know, it was the thing about the such and such. And he assumed that I had read it. He assumed that I was I was I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal, and you know I just remember that feeling of oh, 
you know, it kind of caught me like, oh, man, you know, and, and this is a, this is a, a person that, you know, granted, the guy is probably 20 years older than me, and I knew him to be extremely successful. And I felt that feeling of, I, I don't know if it was uh, shame or what, whatever it was, because I didn't feel like I was living up to the, the expectation. Now, again, he just sent me the article. I didn't think anything of it. But the emotion that I experienced was a real one. And, you know, and, and it's kind of honing in on, on that key emotion of, look, if you want to know, if you want to be part of that in crowd, the people that are really successful, this is what they do. And you can do it, too, for only, you know, whatever the subscription price is. But, Let me ask you an interesting question. As we've been talking about these levels of awareness, one thing that it's brought up for me is wondering if you're doing online marketing, I would imagine that different types of traffic or different sources of traffic would bring you people that are at different levels of awareness. Is that true? Absolutely. In fact, that's that's a good example. Um, I have a good example of a campaign that we're in the in the um, we're just in the developing stages of it right now um, with a sub, a nutritional supplement company. So they have a uh, a product that addresses hair, nails, and skin. It you know it can help all of them. I, honestly, I haven't been in too much in the conversation, so I don't know that much about the product. But what we're doing from the very beginning stages is, as part of our plan, is to make um, landing pages, if you will, that address each one of those concerns. You know, and that gets into a whole conversation about um, relevance. I'm sure you guys have talked probably, you've had other talk, guys talk about Google AdWords or, or search engine optimization. Obviously, Google wants whenever they, uh, if they're going to show your ad, we, we do a lot of AdWords setup. They want the page they go to to be relevant. So you know, yeah. if we're going to bid on, on keywords that have to do with hair care, you know, um, maybe, and again, I, forgive me because I don't know that much about the product at this point. Say the, say the pain that the person dealing with is split in. Even that bird wants to know. <laughs> oh, man, I'm muting. Sorry. <laughs> I was actually sitting outside, and I came in because the, uh, the sandhill cranes, which I'm sure you're familiar oh, with, yeah. uh, Gina, because they those things are the, they're giant birds about five feet tall, and they have the <laughs> And I had a giant metal animal called a trash uh, collector who went by the window, and I was running for the other end of the house with my phone. I love modern technology. <laughs> Well, I have these birds that actually swim underwater for 15 to 20 minutes at a time, and they're very unusual. I wish I could tell you what kind of birds they are, but they stay underwater for a good portion of the day. Well, three of them each came out of the water, each carrying a fish, and there's two other birds that were not underwater that were sitting on the shoreline that want to eat the three birds fishing. <laughs> and that's what that was all about, was trying to get the fish from the other birds. Oh, too funny. <laughs> Angry birds. Uh-huh. Oh. So going back to this idea of different landing pages for different levels of awareness, I would imagine that even the keywords would change as someone goes through different levels of awareness. Absolutely, because if I have if I have split ends, I'm probably going to type in, you know, I have a problem. I'm aware of a problem, and I'm going to right. type in, you know, split ends, split end solutions, split end. Maybe I might 
assume there's probably a shampoo or, or some sort of thing out there. I might do, be a little bit more specific, or I might not be. I may just be going in and, and looking to read an, an article or watch a YouTube video or, or whatever. I'm just I'm at that problem aware stage. Number four, um, or actually, I'm probably more at the solution aware. I'm I'm I don't because in the problem aware, I don't really have hope. If I'm solution aware, I have right. hope that there probably is a solution, but I'm not biased as to which one. So yeah. if I put my my ad over there on the right that says something to the effect of, you know. Maybe you just go for the gusto of, you know, split-in solution, 100% guaranteed, you know, three days of your money back. Now, that would be a message that would, you know, maybe get their attention, or maybe you have to take a longer way around the farm. Maybe it's more of... Um, Two of my very favorite tools would be very, very helpful for what we're talking about. One is a tool called Yahoo Clues. The other is a tool called Keyword Questions that's actually put out by WordTracker. If you go to askggg.com forward slash clues, it will take you to Yahoo Clues where you can put in any keyword and see what people searched before and what people searched for after searching for that term. And I was playing around with that as you were talking about these levels of awareness. And if I find the words they searched before and the words they searched after, then take it over to a tool called Keyword Questions, askggg.com forward slash keyword questions. If I put in the keywords they searched for before, they're lower in the level of awareness. If I search for, if I look at the keywords that they're searching for after, they're higher in their level of awareness. And I never realized that until just now. You have no idea how golden that is in my hand. <laughs> I know that's going straight back into the uh, Directions University curriculum. Oh yes, no oh, yes. question asked. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. That's a great discovery. But what this really, hopefully, what you're going to take away from this is, as you're listening, is that you know there are people at all different levels of awareness, and it has everything to do with with your marketing message, you know, where you're going to spend your budget, where you emphasize. You know, to me, if, if you have a crowd of people that are most aware. You know, Apple doesn't, you know, when they release their i5, they don't go run off and, you know, run a Walmart special in a place where they're not aware of the iPhone at all. I don't, I'm, not, although I'm not sure if that place exists anymore on Earth, but I'm sure there's somewhere. You know, they go, you know, to where their highest concentration, in other words, where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. But if you go out to um, go to audiences that are completely unaware or they have, uh, you know, no bias towards you at all, uh, maybe they're not even aware of it, of it they have, uh, or they have, have a problem but don't know what yours does for it, and you come out with the, the same message. Because the message that, that Walmart sent to me was 60 bucks off an iPhone 5 until December 31st. That's all I needed to hear. Now, if I had no, you know, preconceived, you know, if they, they were like marketing to me, Something I had no idea what an iPhone was. No one, you know. In other words, I have to, some recording to do. Uh, but I would bet that everybody in any business that they have, 
you know, you can't assume where people are in their level of awareness. And, and you can't assume what they're – well, uh, over time you would learn what your ideal customer wants, but in that moment where they're saying $50 off or another competitor saying $60 off, Apple could have put out an ad that said, no line, no wait. And some people who didn't want the 50 or $60 savings would have gravitated there. Absolutely. Different value system, but also they've made their decision and they're ready to make their purchase. Right. So at the message, the core, the core mm-hmm. message is I'm going to tell you some, just a little bit of something. You know, in other words, these offer leads, as we call them, to the most aware are usually short and simple. The headline is going to be what's the thing that's going to, going to um, get their attention, what's the one big idea, and if no lines and no weight is the big idea that's going to appeal to that certain market, that's the headline. Because the, the other thing, now, you notice that the book that I referenced in the beginning is called Great Leads. Well, um, that's really what the, because it only talks about, in the beginning of the book, it talks about these levels of awareness, but most importantly, we're going to talk about what is the marketing message that's going to appeal to people at these different levels of awareness. So I'm gonna, I'd like to segue into that because I'd like to you know, help put legs on, on this to help connect this in your mind. So with a person who is most aware, you know, where I would start would be, you know, if you already know that you want my product, you like my company, you, maybe you've done business with me before, or it's sort of a no-brainer purchase, I, again, I just get need to know what's the deal. And this is probably a poignant place to say this, but with direct response copywriting, if you're listening to this and you really don't, you know, I don't understand what the difference is between copywriting, direct response, all this, well, an offer or copyright direct response is not direct response unless there's an offer, and an offer doesn't necessarily have to be a discount, like like what you just pointed out, Linda. It could be what, in other words, what's the big thing that's going to make them take action now? That's going to hook them, and an offer is not an offer without a deadline. So that and. If I could say that the one biggest mistake that I see marketers, uh, you know, in general, anytime I have a new client that comes around, or even older clients, frankly, you know, I've had uh, somebody I won't name, but you know, a very you know well-known marketer in their niche. I was surprised, you know, when when lately they came to me with a campaign idea and they had no offer. Now they had a product, they had a service, they had something that was really cool. You know, it was a you know a, a type of membership, but they didn't have something that they could put a deadline on. It was basically, well, we have this program that we want to sign people up for it, and we just want to get more people to sign up. And, I, and I, at the very beginning, I said, well, what's the offer? What's the thing that we're going to put a deadline on? Um, you know, to get people to move. And and actually, you know, they I was confirmed by Bill Glazer that he said the same thing when he you know consulted with them. And you know, so we worked a lot on that offer, but that's a little bit of a side end, but that's extremely important to clarify that, you know, that it, with direct response, you must have an offer. It has to be something that is here today and not necessarily here tomorrow. Um, so, okay, so if somebody who's most aware, we would start with what we call an offer lead. Now, a lead is not, you know, there's a little confusion in the copywriting world what a, what a lead is. A lead includes the headline of a piece. But it would also be typically the first few paragraphs, maybe even going in the next page. Now you may be thinking, well, how does that 
you know, because video is all the rage right now, obviously. I would pretty much every copy project project that I do anymore, I'm writing a video script. Um, but I'm also writing, you know, not necessarily long-form copy, just copy just enough to sell the product. Um, but a lead could be, it's the thing that's going to draw people in, get their attention at the, out of the beginning. What's the headline? What's the unique selling proposition? It's going to draw them in at the beginning. And then, you know, it's going to keep them engaged for the first, you know, so they'll, so they'll finish up the, the, uh, the message. So now if a person is product aware, in other words, they know what you sell, but they're not sure it's right for them. Um, you know, they don't know how you compare with the competition. That's where we talked about, you know, when I was reading the, um, uh, about the, the laptops, and I was making the decision right there. Well, that a promise lead would be something that, um, that you might want to use in the headline, meaning I'm going to stick with my unique selling proposition. Now, the promise lead that would have that reached out to me at that, stand, that point would have been something to the effect of, you know, such and such laptop guaranteed to keep your lap cool, you know, for hours on end or something. I know that sounds that sounded really bad, but at, but the, the thing that really appealed to me at that point is I just wanted a laptop that wasn't going to sit and you know make me uncomfortable after sitting for two hours because I use it for a very long time. So in other words, it was the, the one major point that was going to separate that product from all the other products out there that is going to hone it. In other words, it's that unique selling proposition that appeals to me. So that separates you from the competition. Now, a solution aware, um, again, it would, would be they know the results that they want. That's where I use the weight loss. So, you know, I know I need to lose weight. I have hope that I can lose weight, but, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. Which one do I do? So at that point, we need to educate them a little bit. And, you know, and, and one of the best ways to, to do that would be a, what we call a problem slash solution lead, that we, gotta, we call out the problem and then we talk about the solution. Um, I don't really like the, I think there's some better headlines and maybe a, a different niche. Like, um, here's one. Do your hands and feet feel like blocks of ice? That's, that's a, a, a headline that was on a winning ad. Now, I can say this about my wife, <laughs> is that she must have brought that part of Indiana down here to Florida with her because it doesn't matter how, what the temperature is outside, her hands and feet, all, or her hands especially, always, when I hold her hand, all, her fingers are always cold. So, you know, now if it got to be a real problem for her, an ad that called out to her and said, you know, and then had that headline, would probably be like, yes, actually it does. My hands always feel like it drives me crazy. I wish I could make this go away. Well, and then you would introduce the solution. So you know that there's probably hope out there. You're not biased towards any, any sort of solution. Um, cool. Now, it's so interesting because I'm thinking about my own copy as I go, and I know, you know, I have one of those minds that keeps trying to reduce things. So it's like, okay, is there a way to come up with ten sentences that hits every level of awareness, and I'm done? But we'll come back to that later. <laughs> well, for the problem know, again, aware. I would, I, I, would refer, I would refer back to, absolutely to the book Great Leads by Michael Masterson and John Ford. I mean, it's they have. Plenty of examples, um, you know, and if you're, especially if you're already writing your own copy, 
um, this definitely is one of those next level kind of things. You know, if you're if you're listening and you're not really you don't know you know anything about copywriting, you don't understand it, probably not a good place to start. You probably would want to start with something like um, the Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Um, you know, one of the more basic books. There's tons of good materials out there. Um, you know, we we only have five minutes left for this conversation, but Linda and I have already decided we have got to have you back on it in a future episode because you just have golden information for our listeners, and they all really badly need this, really, really badly. And I know so, I've got ten more questions of my own as you've been talking. So um. <laughs> one thing I, I really want to make sure we at least touch upon before we finish here today is one thing I've often asked copywriters is, how do you define the word copy? What is copy? And I know how I define it, but as a copywriter, I'd love to hear your take on that question. Because I think for our listeners, your take on it is going to be an eye-opener. Well, I think that there's there's a bias out there right now that I want to kind of kind of go against. It really copy at the end of the day. They're, they're words that are going to bring people to the next um, desired action. When I say words, I literally mean words. Because like I mentioned, it's, you know, copy. I write, I write copy for videos all the time. I write copy for, you know, I still do tons of direct mail. And, you know, when, when we hear copywriters, we think of you might think of old oh, guys that write these big, obnoxious 12, 24-page sales letters. And I do a lot of that stuff, you know. Uh, but I also, I've done post, postcard campaigns. So it's just, it doesn't matter how long or short it is. It's really just the words on any, in any form of media that are going to move people to the next logical step and, you know, to take them to the desired action. And that desired action could be nothing more than filling out a form indicating interest in the very beginning, or it could be to take the desired action to sign up for your what you do coaching program for $25,000 a year. Now, it, so I, I, that's what I think of when I think of copy. But it's influencing people to make the next desired action. It's exactly how I would define copy. You've given so many resources today that I'm going to put in the show notes so people can find them and pursue educating themselves. For folks who want your assistance, how would they go about getting that? Uh, You can go to our website, which is uh, onestopdirectmarketing.com. That's uh, all spelled out. Let, you know, it's it's uh, O N E stop one stop directmarketing dot com. Uh, I need to put in a little fifty cent pitch here. Um, we do much more than write copy. If you go to our website, you'll see that we're involved. We do entire marketing campaigns. I'm actually part owner of a company that has around seventy six employees, um, and we do every level of marketing from entire marketing. T- Campaigns, videos, websites, web pages, landing pages, launches, direct mail, everything you can imagine. We can take it from soup to nuts because we've been involved in marketing for so long and I've seen so many um, great marketers get bogged down by not getting things done that we just will, we're in a full service implementation team. Fabulous. One stop direct marketing.com. Wonderful. Oh, this Gina. has been an awesome, awesome show, Barry. 
and given your response when we asked last week if we could interview on this show, so not what I was expecting. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has just been phenomenal. And I will have Linda get back in touch with you to get you on in another episode so we can continue this fantastic conversation. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure, you guys. Thank you so much, Barry. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. It was great having you on the show. Linda and I will be back next week for another episode of Think Through Directions here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much, Linda. Oh, my pleasure. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Breakthrough Direction.